you. Welcome, everyone. Yeah, I see. Yeah, 115 in the room, and we have groups joining us today. We have Living Miracles Monastery. We've got our Tabula Rasa Mystery School. We have a group high with Anna and Ken over in Spain. We have, uh, oh my gosh, there's the Micah, Amanda, there's a li the Living uh, Course in Miracles group. Just We're just packed. I think that maybe we'll have up over 150 people joining us today to watch a movie. We're going to watch a movie together and we're going to call on the Holy Spirit Call on Jesus to bring us clarity, to bring us wisdom, to take us into right-minded perception and a true way of looking at the world. And, uh, and again, the way we do this uh, for the movies, uh, this particular movie is part of our online retreat that we have every month. So we have that group of people that are here, they've just watched two lovely sessions uh, yesterday and today begins the, the second day of sessions and tomorrow will be the third and final day. And then what we do every week is we simply have a, a, a poll of themes and we ask you to vote on the themes that are most relevant and most important to you and then you vote on the themes and we see which themes are the most important. And then I go into prayer and let Jesus give us uh, the movie. It's always kind of an interesting, it's a bit of a surprise to me every time because I never know what, what movie Jesus is going to pull out of the, of the magician hat to sh for us all to use. So I, I'm kind of excited to watch how the poll goes and then I, I look at the poll and then receive a movie that will help us really grasp these themes and these ideas. And it's this is a fun way of, of waking up. It's a fun way of coming to a state of, of enlightenment. And uh, it's a fun way of experiencing the joy of heaven right here and right now. It's not, heaven is not a future state. It's a present moment condition and state of mind. And that's what we're here for. We're here to remove all the blocks with Jesus and the Holy Spirit helping us every step of the way to clear the mirror of our mind and clear away all false aspects of consciousness that are blocking us from the light of truth. So, for this week's movie, these are the themes that you all selected, and this is what the movie will be used to help us understand. First of all, coming in number one, and I should say coming in number one by a great distance. Uh, it, it was over 20, 20 votes more, I think uh, a little bit less than 20 votes more. It's called Deepen My Core desire and calling for God. Deepen my core desire and calling for God. Because when your heart gets focused on God, on waking up to God, on forgiving all things that block the remembrance of God's love, 
anything that deepens that is is precious. And it's always my prayer every week that these movies do that for you, that you come through these movies with a feeling of being uplifted, of feeling huge gratitude and huge blessing, and feeling closer to God, and, and feeling that your own desire, the flame of your own desire for God has been fanned and expanded, so that it's a burning flame. <laughs> burn in our hearts, God, burn in our hearts, burn away the illusions, burn away the idols, burn away the false perceptions that have veiled your beautiful light from our awareness. Coming in second was strengthen awareness of the happy nudges of spirit. <laughs> We all get those happy nudges, you know, those little inner promptings that are telling us, here you go, this is for you, this is for you, follow this, you'll be happy, just follow this and you'll be happy. We, we want to strengthen our awareness of the happy nudges of spirit, the happy little guidances, the, the little prompts that we get. And we get a lot of them, actually, if we're honest, we get a lot of little nudges and prompts during the day. We want to be more aware of those. We really want to be aware. If there's going to be a happy nudge, I want to be aware of it. I don't want to miss it. <laughs> I don't want to miss a thing. Third one is drop the mask of a spiritual self-concept. I mean, this, this whole world of time and space is a world of concepts, and and all of the great mystics and saints, from Buddha and Jesus and all the way down all through the centuries, have all said, empty your mind of everything you think you think and think you know. Really, it's saying, empty your mind of concepts. And Jesus says in the Course that the last concept that you will hold on to is forgiveness. He says, in heaven, there is no such thing as forgiveness, because in oneness and perfect pure love, there is nothing to forgive. But he's saying that in terms of concepts, that's the last concept that you'll ever hold, is of a forgiven world. And that's just simply seeing the false as false. It's not any kind of uh, trying of a positive value or positive pronouncement of the world. It's basically seeing the world is, is Maya, the world the world is fiction, the world is fantasy, the world is uh, make-believe. It's a cartoon. <laughs> it's like a, it's a fairy tale. And before we wake up from the fairy tale, Jesus is saying we have to have a happy dream. You don't wake up from a grim, dark nightmare into eternal life. <laughs> He's like, no. You're not going to get hurled from a, from a dark dream into the light. You're going to go from dark dreams to light dreams, happy dreams, and then you wake up from the happy dream. So that's what we're going to open up to today is the happy dream. And you have to drop the mask of a spiritual self-concept. Um, today's movie is going to involve a, a, some ministers. And sometimes when I even say the word minister, every concept conjures up some feelings and interpretations and beliefs. And some of you may say, well, I am a Course in Miracles student 
or I am a Course in Miracles teacher, but I have absolutely no interest in becoming a minister. Well, maybe you should check out workbook lesson 154 that Jesus gives you in the course, which says, I am among the ministers of God. <laughs> he's, he's got another idea. Yes, he does have an idea for us to be ministers of God. He does have an idea for us to be miracle workers. And he does have a metaphor of teacher of God. Uh, and so as you wake up, if you use the course and you use uh, it as, as, a, as a special uh, function that you have, it's just one form of the universal curriculum. There are thousands of others. But if you've been drawn to A Course in Miracles, um, it's something that you you use and you take all the way towards your awakening experience, your complete forgiveness experience. Jesus tells us in the introduction that uh, basically free will does not mean you can establish the curriculum. It only means that you can decide what you want to take at a given time. So the curriculum is already established. You can't establish the curriculum, it's already established. And that curriculum, I'll call it forgiveness. This is the curriculum for everyone on earth <laughs> and in all realms. Uh, but forgiveness as described by the Course is coming to accept the atonement, which is really the realization that the separation never happened. So you're not going to forgive something that's real. <laughs> you're, you're just opening your mind to an experience that is a direct experience that the separation never happened. And if the separation never happened, then guilt never happened. And if the separation never happened, then fear actually never happened. And pain and suffering never happened. Greed never happened. Uh, we could say all upsetting emotions. Jesus tells us you have but two emotions, love and fear, and fear is part of what never happened. And so you can see this isn't about pointing out errors, or this isn't about um, condemning and then forgiving. This isn't about finding fault and then uh, releasing the fault. It's about coming to a state of mind which sees there was never anything to feel a blame or a fault about. It was a complete mistake. Innocence is, is real, actually. But innocence is not the opposite of guilt. In this world, the projection is that guilt and innocence are opposites, but the innocence of God and the innocence of God's love transcends worldly innocent projections and worldly guilt <laughs> projections. It's so far, the love is so far beyond this world that it's reality. And that's what we're doing, we're waking up to reality. Okay, the next one is release shame around sexuality. You know, in this world, depending on which philosophy you follow, which religion you follow, which ethical system you follow, which morality you follow, um, there's all kinds of different views around sexuality. Uh, there's, there are those which say that it's wrong. There are those that, that say that it's a pathway to God. 
there, but the key thing is to release the shame around the sexuality, release the ego's interpretations of it, its judgments of it, and really start to realize that, that the body is a learning device. The body is neutral to the Holy Spirit. The body is neither positive nor negative. It's just a learning device. If you were going to take a test at the university and, the, and you had a paper, a multiple choice test in front of you, and you said to the professor, um, I, oh, I forgot, I forgot to bring my pencil. Could I uh, use a pencil? Oh, yeah, I'll loan you a pencil so you can finish the exam. The body is very much like that pencil. It's just a learning device for the mind. And the, the issue comes in is the ego made the body to be something more than just a neutral learning device. The ego made the body to be your home. <laughs> it's, it made the body to be something you could identify with and you could say, this is me. But it would be like saying, this is me to that pencil. You know, that's a little bit of an exaggeration to identify with a learning device. Also, Jesus tells us in the Course that learning devices cannot make mistakes. So stop blaming your body for mistakes. Your body is not making mistakes. It's just a neutral learning device for the mind. And the mind that believes in the ego is the mistake. And the mind that releases the ego is the correction, has released it, transcended the ego. That's the correction. But let's take the body off the hook. Uh, we can't be blaming bodies because that would be like if you got a low score on the exam and saying, that damn pencil let me down again. I, I should have scored higher, but that damn pencil, you know, I, I should have had 100 and I got a 65 out of 100 because of that damn pencil. You know, it would be silly to blame the pencil for getting a low score on an exam. And Jesus is telling us it's just as silly to blame your body uh, for anything. Now, the ego wants to emphasize the body. So the ego says, no, mistakes are in bodies. Bodies do make mistakes. Some of you who watch the Academy Awards, the Oscars, you know, it was kind of an interesting uh, award show this year, but uh, some people would say, well, I watched the award show and it should have been a celebration, but instead there was, there was an attack that happened and uh, one, one body attacked another body in front of millions of people and it was shocking. And what Jesus would say is, listen, the ego belief system is the attack. The attack is in your mind. Don't put it out onto bodies. Don't generate your hatred onto one body doing something to another body. The attack is believing in the ego. The attack is believing you're something that you're not. You're the Christ, but if you believe you're an ego, you block that Christ awareness, that Christ light from your awareness. You, you push it out of mind. Don't put it out on form and blame the characters. Don't blame anybody. Don't blame Hitler's body. Don't blame Putin's body. Don't blame Will Smith's body. Don't blame your partner's body, your cat's body, your dog's body. Don't blame anybody 
It's the ego belief that is the, the mistake. And so that's very important for us. That's, that will be helpful for us as we watch this movie today to really remember that. Releasing the shame around sexuality. And the last one was overcoming the fear of communication. Well, I think a lot of people <clears throat> equate the fear of communication with, with words. Uh, when I was much younger, when I was a child and adolescent, and even in the, the 20s years of David, I was, I had a belief in being shy and I had a fear of communication, but, but that was still a projection onto David of the fear of the communication of the Holy Spirit and Jesus. It's not a fear of words, of speaking words or of having words spoken to you. It's a fear of guidance. It's the fear of the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit because the ego is the fear and the ego doesn't want you, your mind to hear the Holy Spirit because if you do listen and follow the Holy Spirit, the ego will vanish <laughs> and it wants to exist. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit, the ego will vanish because it never really had a reality. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit shows, that God is real, love is real, Christ is real, and spirit is reality, and there is nothing else, that there is no ego. It's a, it's a mistaken belief, but it hides itself by denial, by being pushed into the unconscious aspect of the mind where the mind's not aware of it. It hides in the unconscious mind and it also hides through projection where it seems like the mistakes are in the bodies, the errors are in the bodies, the errors are in the projected world, but they aren't. Nobody has ever made a mistake, and nobody, nobody has ever done anything right either. <laughs> there really is nobody out there. That's the teaching of the Course. You're, you have a perceptual hallucination, and you're dreaming a world that God didn't create, and it doesn't even exist. You know, you're hallucinating. You're hallucinating a world, but you think the hallucinations are real, and you're reacting and responding to the hallucinations. You see, that's the problem. That's what the Course is teaching us. You is to teach us to stop reacting to the hallucinations. Can you do that without a miracle? No, you need a miracle. You need a miracle to see this world as a hallucination. You need you need the atonement. The Holy Spirit says, no problem. I I can do that in an instant if you're ready. And yet the Holy Spirit knows when the mind is terrified, you will not wake up a terrified mind in an instant because it's too direct, it's too traumatic. It would be like a child having a nightmare and the parent comes in, turns on the bright lights and shakes the child and wakes the child directly out of the nightmare. Jesus says, well, you know, if you tried to do that, the chances are the child would perceive the bright light as a, as a danger or the shaking body as if a monster paw was shaking the body because if it's in the middle of a nightmare it will perceive the helper as a monster too. So Jesus knows that we have to really take it gently and the Holy Spirit will wake us up gently, gently, softly wake us back up 
to heaven. The Holy Spirit is so, so gentle. So what Jesus has done this week, which is pretty rare, I show, last week I showed Star Trek episodes, I show all kinds of movies, I show quantum physics movies quite a lot, I, I call them quantum movies, I show a wide, wide range of movies, and every once in a while there's a movie that has a little bit of um, Christian symbols in it, um, like uh, the movie Just Like Heaven had just a little sprinkling, little sprinkles of Christian symbols. Not, not today, where Jesus is bringing out a, a movie that has got a lot of Christian symbols in it. We're, we're going to see a movie, when we look at placing the future in the hands of God, we are actually going to see a movie that will help us using overtly Christian symbols today. Uh, it's, it's a movie that's based on events that happened mostly uh, in the 1970s and the 1980s, although there's some, there's some flashbacks to uh, some, some earlier times. Um, but basically what we're going to see is going to see two people, uh, a man and a woman that are called together to get married, to be ministers, to be traveling ministers, and then to be uh, public ministers in the sense of using uh, satellite and using broadcasting. And it will be a movie that shows us a very large broadcasting ministry and all of the temptations that come from anything like that. Uh, whenever you have a large anything, a large corporation, a large country, a large ministry, um, there will be temptations, very strong temptations from the ego, and one of those is pride. Um, basically, the ego uses the body for three main uses, and those three uses are plot, pride and pleasure and attack. So. Those are the three main uses that the ego has for the body, to protect itself. Remember, the body's part of a projection, and the ego uses the projection to keep itself hidden in the mind. Because the ego doesn't want you discovering it, and discovering its hiding place, and exposing it. Because once you expose the ego with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, you, you see that you cannot believe in it anymore. You, you see, it's rather foolish to believe in a death wish. It's foolish to believe in darkness. It's foolish to believe in, in fear and guilt and shame. These are not natural emotions. These are not emotions that have anything to do with God. These are ego emotions. And they don't feel good. They don't feel good at all. They feel, they feel very bad. So the movie that we're going to watch today is called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. <laughs> the Eyes of Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye Baker was a, a tele-evangelist, uh, and with her husband, Jim Baker, they had a, a tele-evangelist uh, ministry starting in the 1970s and rolling on into the 80s, 
until the wheels fell off, until, <laughs> until everything went sour. I mean, really, really bad. And, um, but, you know, this is just the way things go on planet Earth. You know, some of you have heard of the Roman Empire, the rise of the Roman Empire, the crest of the Roman Empire, and the fall of the Roman Empire. Same thing with Napoleon. You know, Napoleon rose, rose to power, thought he would conquer Europe, and then he met uh, some uh, defeat at Waterloo, and then that was the fall of, of the Napoleon uh, attempts to overtake the world. Um, and we've seen it with different uh, civilizations. We saw the expanse of the of the British Empire. It grew and grew and grew and grew. And then uh, there was people like Gandhi who, who said, no, this isn't right. And then it started to shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink. Um, Adolf Hitler, uh, the Nazis, it, it seemed to come rise up, it grew in strength and power, and then it shrank. <laughs> and it uh, it disappeared in, in that form, but the ego is underneath all of these rising, falling empires. And what we're going to look at today is a, is a ministry, a Christian ministry that, that rises and grows from, from a husband and wife uh, as ministers traveling around the United States, certain states, and using puppets and uh, and words and verses from the Bible to teach uh, the teachings of Jesus. It started off with just going from church to church, and then with the advent of, uh, we'll say, technology, satellite technology, it grew to a point where when they were doing their, their ministry services, 20 million people from 50 countries were, were joining in with them. <laughs> How's that for an audience? Imagine if you, got, you had your own Zoom channel and uh, your channel started to grow and finally it went to 50 countries and, and had 20 million viewers every week. <laughs> now, of itself, that's nothing. But what I will say is the ego will try to trip you up to keep you from experiencing the true teachings of Jesus and the true teachings of forgiveness through its distractions. And one of those distractions is fame. Um, you know, fame is a, is a version of pride. If, if you're spirit, if you're the I am presence, you cannot be famous or infamous. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no one to be famous to, <laughs> or no one to be infamous to, you see? Because spirit is just one. It's just there's one spirit. But if you identify with the body, the ego will try to use pride and fame as a way to keep you from knowing who you are as the living Christ. And that's why Jesus, over the centuries, has become quite famous. But, but Jesus was so identified with the I am presence prior to time. You know, that's why he, the Holy Spirit spoke through the, 
the mouth of Jesus and said, before Abraham was, I am. It also, the Holy Spirit spoke through Jesus and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Um, and then the Holy Spirit spoke through the body of Jesus and said, I and the Father are one. That was just the universal spirit speaking. It wasn't a man. It was just the spirit using the body as a teaching learning device to teach that the spirit is one and God is love. That's the whole teaching. God is love. And who you are is love too, pure love. That's that's it. That's the that's the whole message right there. It's not a complicated theology. It's just that love is real. But but love is real and it is the only reality. There is no reality but love. That's why the Beatles even, there's some channels for spirit. All you need is love. Ba -ba -da -da -da. All you need is love. Ba -ba -da -da -da. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you need. There it is. Love is all there is. That's why the Beatles were singing that. They could sing it with confidence because it's true. <laughs> That's why it's everybody likes that song, because it's real. It's a real idea. Now, I thought I would read you a little bit, uh, just a little, a few words from chapter four from Jesus, because um, Jesus starts out his 11th paragraph in, in here in chapter four. Um, and basically he says, Jesus starts out his sentence and says, it cannot be emphasized too often. When Jesus starts a sentence to me and says, it cannot be emphasized too often, I'm all ears. Oh, if Jesus Christ starts a sentence with, it cannot be emphasized too often, oh, got my full attention here. Well, I want to know what, what is cannot be emphasized too often. Jesus says, it cannot be emphasized too often that correcting perception is merely a temporary expedient. What? You mean the whole Course in Miracles is aimed at, at correcting perception and this is just a temporary expedient? Wow. That puts everything into perspective. He's like saying, yeah, don't, don't be concerned about careers. Don't be concerned about families. Don't be concerned about your success. Really don't put any attention to anything except correcting perception with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, he's emphasizing, it's just a temporary expedient. Now he's got my interest. I'm like, well, okay, that, then what's, what's the end game? If correcting my perception is just a temporary expedient, wow, that's, that puts a lot of emphasis on that, but it's also temporary. Then he goes on to say, it, meaning uh, correcting perception, it is necessary only because misperception is a block to knowledge, knowing God. While accurate perception is a stepping stone toward it, Oh, that's why I'm training my mind, so I can come to a stepping stone towards heaven. I want to come to the gates of heaven in my mind. 
And to do that, I have to correct my, my perception or more correctly, allow my perception to be corrected by the Holy Spirit. That's the better way of saying it. And he's just saying, listen, this is the preliminaries. This is the preliminaries. We're dealing with A Course in Miracles here and correcting perception because this is temporary preliminaries. And here it is, the whole value of right perception lies in the inevitable realization that all perception is unnecessary. Unnecessary. Only Jesus could get away <laughs> from talking about the entire cosmos of time and space, the entire linear cosmos of perception. That's right, the black holes are unnecessary. The stars are unnecessary. The planets are unnecessary. Here we go. The people are unnecessary. <laughs> well, that puts a new view on relationship. He's like, what? The people are unnecessary. Oh yeah, the mountains are unnecessary. The butterflies are unnecessary. The trees are unnecessary. Is that actually the word you want to use, Jesus? Yes. I'll say it again, the sentence. The whole value of right perception lies in the inevitable realization that all perception is unnecessary. This removes the block entirely. Okay, now that is a different perspective. You know, he's, he's not even calling perception an illusion. He's going one more step beyond a illusion, and he's saying unnecessary. Oh my, unnecessary. Okay, now we're getting some good stuff from Jesus. Now we're getting really the, the, full, the full picture. He says, you may ask how this is possible as long as you appear to be living in this world. That is a reasonable question. You must be careful, however, that you really understand it. Who is the you who are living in this world? Spirit is immortal, and immortality is a constant state. It is as true now as it ever was or ever will be, because it implies no change at all. So, let's look at this. Perception is unnecessary. And yet, while we believe in it, we have to go from fragmented, distorted perception to heal and unified perception. Maybe remember last week I, I showed two Star Trek episodes. My hands flew up when we realized there's only one dream. That's going to simplify things. If there's only one dream, that helps. I don't have to worry about all the separate dreams anymore. I just have to start to allow my mind to see the holistic picture of the one dream that the Holy Spirit sees, and to see that I am the dreamer of that dream. That's what forgiveness truly is. Now, since I'm showing a, a movie that has overt Christian symbols, I don't, I mean, I oftentimes don't talk a lot about Christianity, I mentioned it in passing, uh, little David went to church and little David was a Christian. And um, sometimes people ask me about the Bible and I will address specific questions about the Bible because 
the Bible is, is another symbol, another learning device in the world. And, and can you use the Bible to reach God? Of course. What do you think Mother Teresa did? What do you think St. Francis did? <laughs> what? Even Jesus used the scriptures, the Torah, as part of his awakening. So the Bible is just a, a tool that can be used for spiritual awakening. Now, there are some aspects, a lot of aspects of the Bible that I would say are mythology. Um, and I know because I was in university for 10 years and I studied philosophy and I, I realized in philosophy, one of the big questions was, how did this all happen in the first place? What started the cosmos? What, what is this big bang thing that the scientists were talking about? It seemed very different from what I read in my Bible in, in Genesis. In the Bible, it says God created the heavens and the earth. And that means by assumption that God created uh, Adam and Eve, the first two humans, and this story is called creationism, and God, it took God um, basically six days, and then on the seventh day he rested. He was, apparently God was tired after, <laughs> after doing all this creating. I'd be tired too if I created the whole cosmos and Adam and Eve. Like, whew, there you go. I just formed the anatomies of Adam and Eve. And I'm, I'm about, here, I'll put a snake in there. I'm going to put a tree in the Garden of Eden. And, oh, where's my um, hammock? I need to sleep. I need to rest. That's, that's a big job, especially creating Adam and Eve, man and woman. Wow, it's tough. That's, wow, that's going to, that's, that's a mess. <laughs> That, that's a, that's a, an issue ready to happen. <laughs> I need to go back into the hammock after I did that one. No, listen, let's start to make the corrections. There's some interesting things in, in Genesis that I think I want to point out, because I'm not going to dismiss the Bible, and I'm not going to dismiss any book. I'll talk a little bit about Charles Darwin and, and evolution too, so I'm going to be uh, uh, good to both science and uh, religion here. I'm not going to let either one off the hook. <laughs> I'm going after both both of them today, Darwin and uh, the Bible, uh, Genesis. So what is, what is good about um, the first book of the Bible, Genesis? I'm just going to work, focus on the first, first book. Well, in the first book of the Bible, Jesus points this out in his course. He says, um, the Bible says that Adam fell asleep. And nowhere else in the Bible does it say that Adam woke up. <laughs> so once again, the Bible's got it right. It's in the Bible. Adam fell asleep, and nowhere else in the Bible did it say that Adam woke up. I would say when Jesus, you know, when he... When he was in the River Jordan, and he was baptized by John the Baptist, and this dove came down from the sky and landed on Jesus's head. And then this voice from the, the sky, the heavens said, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased. That's the wake up. 
<laughs> Adam woke up. <laughs> Adam woke up there. Listen, you don't get a voice like that saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That doesn't happen every day. <laughs> At least you don't hear it. it. It's there, but you don't hear it. So that part was good in Genesis. The other thing I like about Genesis is it, it says, um, it says that don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? Don't you like that? Because why? Because that tree, if it's good and evil, it's duality. And anybody who studied metaphysics know that the only metaphysics that makes sense is it's all one. <laughs> there, there is no, there is nothing of relative value in duality because duality is of the ego. The, two is not one. You see, two is a projection of a split mind. And so that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, is a projection of the split in the mind. It's a projection of the fall from grace. It's a projection. Remember, that's not a reality. That's a belief. You didn't actually fall from grace. You just believed you did. And that belief is projected onto that tree. So even that tree is a projection. <laughs> that's that's got to be the first the first projection, you know, even though Adam and Eve seem to already be there, and then they found this tree, Adam and Eve are a projection, that's a projection of split mind. There's not two sexes. There's not even one sex. You, there weren't even unicorns in heaven. <laughs> Listen, that's just all projection. So those are the highlights of Genesis. Now, what does that mean? Well, it just means that, that A Course in Miracles is correcting a lot of mythology and the Bible, as well as science, and as well as just about every book that you ever are going to read is, is full of mythology. What do I mean by mythology? What is a myth? A myth is something that's not true, okay? So most of the Bible is mythology. We shouldn't be offended by that because we just learned from Jesus that all perception is unnecessary. <laughs> so I'm keeping in that context. You see, for Jesus, it's like, please, let's not get hung up on which, which people are better than others or which eras are better than others or whether the Ice Age was better than the, the Dinosaur Age. You know, please, all perception is unnecessary. And we need to realize that all duality in the world, in the cosmos, is a projection of the split mind, the belief that you can separate from God, the belief that you have spirit still in you, the Holy Spirit, and the ego. Jesus said, that's not comfortable, that you'll never be able to be peaceful as long as you have a split mind that believes in love and fear. So. What does that say about Christianity? Uh, this, this will not be just a critique on Christianity because I could do the same with the Bhagavad Gita. I could do the same with the Quran. I could do the same with, uh, with any philosophy or, or spirituality or religion. But, but for now, I'm gonna talk Christianity. The Bible 
And the Genesis is teaching that God created the heavens and the earth. Well, the first part is true. And we're not talking heavens like celestial time-space realms. We're talking heaven is absolute oneness, absolute love, absolute perfect love. That's the realm of God. Even the Trinity in the Bible, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, they all live in heaven. That, that's where their home is, is heaven. They, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a second home. I know some of you in, uh, in uh, Canada, maybe, United States, uh, Scandinavia, Europe, you know, you, you have a summer home. No, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a summer home. <laughs> the Holy Spirit and Christ and God, all are spirit, and they all live in heaven. And heaven is all that there is. There really is nothing else. Perception is unnecessary because God didn't create it. So the big mistake is that the, the belief that God created anything to do with time and space. God didn't create time and space. God didn't create earth. God didn't create men and women. God didn't make no little green apple. You know, no, God doesn't make little green apples even. God doesn't create form. Spirit creates spirit. Christ has creations, but they're purely spirit. God has creations, and it's purely spirit. Creation means spirit. There is no creation. You may think, I'm a creative artist. I create songs. I create paintings. I create spaces. I'm an architect. I create buildings. No, no, no. Nobody's creating. Bodies don't create. Bodies don't create children. Oh my gosh, what does that mean about sex and procreation? Nothing, nothing. Perception is unnecessary. Talk about wiping out procreation. Procreation is not important. Remembering God is important. Procreation, nada, not important. So if you bring this to practicality, basically Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit uses the body as a communication device to smile through, laugh through, hug through, be gentle through, bring comfort through, through communicating through the body. The ego uses the body for pride, for pleasure, and for attack. That's why we have personality disorders, pride. <laughs> That's why we have addictions. Anybody deal with addictions? That's the realm of pleasures run amok, the ego run amok with addictions. It doesn't know where to stop. It set it up that way. And attack is war. It doesn't matter whether it's Will Smith smacking a comedian on, on the Academy Awards or whether it's Russia invading Ukraine or anything else that you would interpret as an attack. I mean, if your cat does a doo-doo on your living room carpet, and you perceive that as an attack, then that's the same thing. Attack is from the ego. I would just say your, your pretty little kitty is giving you a present, and, and you can enjoy that present, <laughs> or not. And if you don't, that's an ego judgment, if you don't enjoy it. If you don't go over and go, oh, you sweetie, you gave me another present, you know, if you, if you have a reaction to that uh, 
poop on your carpet, uh, smashed into your carpet, then that is an interpretation and that's an attack. And what Jesus is going to show us is there is no attack because why? God didn't create attack and only what God creates is real. So it's, it's an ego interpretation that brings upset. It's not what seems to happen in form, it's the ego interpretation that brings the upset. So as we move on, I'm going to talk about another thing that is a big theme in the Bible, and that is sin. And a lot of times when you a Christian comes to you and they'll say, please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord Savior, and please pray with me the sinner's prayer. I'm going to talk a little bit about sin. You cannot sin. You cannot sin. Because why? Because God doesn't know of sin and God is the creator of reality. So to believe in sin is to believe that there is no God. If, if you profess a belief in the reality of sin, you are literally saying there is no God. Why? Because God didn't create sin. Why would God create sin? Why would pure love create sin? You know, you have to start to follow the divine logic of this. Why would pure love create sin? So this is the big misinterpretation of the, of the teachings of the Bible. The interpretation is that sin is real, and that means punishment is real. And that means that sacrifice is real. You see, it sets in motion a whole set of dominoes of things that simply stated are not true. Why? Because God didn't create them. In A Course in Miracles, he says nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. That's in the, the introduction of A Course in Miracles. So if you apply the introduction of A Course in Miracles to the Bible, you'll see that everything that is interpreted as sin being real is a mistake. So what does Jesus tell us in the Course? Well, he tells us when you feel guilty, remember that the ego has indeed violated the laws of God, but you have not. <laughs> Let's read that one again. <laughs> when you feel guilty, remember that the ego has, has indeed violated the laws of God, but you have not. Jesus says, leave the, quote, sins of the ego to me. That is what atonement is for. Leave the sins of the ego to me. He's, Jesus is saying, let me correct that. Let the Holy Spirit do that. That's the Holy Spirit's function. It's not your personal function to point out sin, to try to, to correct sin. You don't know what it is <laughs> because you don't know who you are and you don't know what it is either. So Jesus is saying, leave that to me, please. Please leave the correction to me. Connect with me, pray with me, and leave the correction to me. Now, the problem with the the Genesis story is from the get-go, it's it's starting a story where uh, God creates this time-space world, which God didn't, God did not create linear time, and then there's, God creates Adam and Eve, and 
and then they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that is a problem. And the, the one that gets them to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is a snake. Okay, let's stop projecting the entire fall of grace onto a snake. This little skinny little creature, cute little creature, is now taking the blame. It's a, that's called scapegoating. This is called scapegoating when you put the entire fall of grace onto a snake. That's a bad name. That's giving a snake a bad name. And remember, all perception is unnecessary. So why, why blame the snake <laughs> if, if it's all unnecessary, if it's all fabricated? If it's all hallucination, why blame this snake? So what well, we have a talking snake in the Garden of Eden, and I don't know whether he has fangs or not. He wouldn't even have to have fangs. He could be a cute, like a Disney snake, like a sweetie. I've seen some really cute snakes in Disney's. And, and maybe he's green, maybe he's brown, I don't know. But what I'm saying is it's a talking snake, and they say that God forbid you from eating from that tree. Now, what happens when you tell a child, don't go in the cookie jar? Has anybody had children? You know what happens when you tell a child, here, you can have anything in the kitchen, but I'm going out to run some errands and just see that cookie jar up there, high up there. I put it high and I, I'm telling you now, you can do any, you can have anything you want from the fridge, but don't go into the cookie jar. When you leave the house, where is the first place that the child goes? before you've left the driveway, <laughs> they're in the cookie jar. Now, this is why in the Bible, God would never forbid Adam and Eve from that tree. First of all, God didn't create that tree of good and evil. Second of all, the Garden of Eden is just a symbol. Paradise is, is, love, is in the mind. Has anybody here tried to find paradise on earth? <laughs> Some of us have tried. We know that's not working very well. <laughs> oh, I made it to Hawaii. What's that 1500 degree shiny bright? Oh, that's lava. <laughs> in my that's there's 1500 degree lava in my paradise. Oh my god. There goes my house. Poof. <laughs> there, there goes my my garage. Poof, my car. Poof. No. No, there's no paradise on earth. Paradise is a state of mind, and there is no duality in that. However, if you believe that God created linear time, and you believe that, that humans turn their back on God in a real way, they basically disobeyed God in a real way, then that would be the belief in sin. The only problem with that is God is pure love, and you can't go against God's will <laughs> because it's pure, pure love and oneness. There is no opposite to it. You can't really disobey God. That's why sin has no reality, because God didn't create it. However, this is what Jesus does tell us. He says, Son of God, you have not sinned, but you have been much mistaken. I'll read that sentence again, because this is kind of important if it's coming from Jesus. Son of God, you have not sinned, 
but you have been much mistaken. Yet, this can be corrected and God will help you, knowing that you could not sin against him. That last part is important. Knowing you could not sin against him. Whew, that's coming from Jesus. You cannot sin against God. You cannot sin against a being that is pure love. You don't have the power to change God's will. You don't have the power to disturb eternity. You don't have the power to interrupt eternal life. That's important. You see, now that's the correct interpretation, that it's just a mistake, and it's a mistake in belief, believing you're something not you're not. And then an entire world arises from that mistaken belief, which is the projection of, of error to form. And now Jesus is saying, don't try to interpret this form. Just follow me. I'll tell you all your instructions internally. I'll give you all your guidance. Stay with me. You're safe. That's for you, Irma. Stay with me and you're safe. Jesus is saying, if you stay with me and you follow my guidance, you, you are invulnerable. You basically, uh, you can't get sick and you can't die if you stay with me. And, and that makes sense because Jesus is the one who transcended the error of, of sickness and death. He said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And then he says in the Course, when I arose, you were with me. He's saying, we're the same one. We are the same one, even though appearances of the ego would try to tell us we're different. We're the same one. We're the same Son of God. We're the same Christ. So, I tell you all of this because we're going into a, a, an overtly Christian movie, and, and many times People will even write to me, they say, David, why don't you get back to showing regular movies? Please don't show me another Christian movie. I've had enough. I've, I'm fed up with these Christian movies. No, no, there's no problem with these Christian movies. They're, it's just the same as Godzilla or, you know, <laughs> anything else. It's, it's just an opportunity for forgiveness. King Kong, opportunity for forgiveness. World War II movie, World War I movie, opportunity for forgiveness. People say, I, I think there's better movies and worse movies. No, no, they're all the same. Every movie is actually the same. Uh, it's the same opportunity for forgiveness. And, and so we're going to see two kind of charming, sweet people, Tammy Faye and Jim Baker, um, they're going to meet in a Bible class, in a scripture class, and they're going to feel a connection, and they're going to decide to get married and be ministers. And before you know it, they have a, a little bit of an audience with them in 50 countries and 20 million viewers every single week. That's, that would be kind of a large ministry. Uh, there's another, there's also other uh, ministers in this movie, and as usual, the ego will try to make things competitive, people trying to steal other people's ministries, steal their congregation. Um, does this movie address sexuality? Oh, yeah. 
oh yeah, these, these ministers are going to have to face everything, charges of greed, charges of bribery, charges of secrets. But just put yourself in their shoes. Imagine that you had a ministry <laughs> of 50 countries and 20 million viewers every week, and imagine that, that they started sending you money. Imagine you, you had so much money sometimes that people would send you mink, mink coats. They would send you more than money. They'd send you diamond rings. Imagine there's a room in your church that's just loaded with things the world calls valuable because they love Jesus and they want to support spreading the teachings of Jesus. The only thing I would say is that, that the spreading of the good news is, is something that seems to occur in time and space, but actually communication is with the Holy Spirit in your mind. That's the communication you want to extend. That's the communication that you want to keep the channel so clear and open, because it's your own mind learning to receive the directions and the instructions of the Holy Spirit. The world is just perception, and all it can do is reflect what's going on in your mind. So, in this case, it's going to be reflecting a very, very growing large ministry. All this does, though, is it presents opportunities for forgiveness, lots of them. And for some of you who have, have not experienced yourself in kind of a public way, then all I can say is it invites opportunities for forgiveness that you never even imagined could be there. Um, let me use as an example, uh, probably uh, some years ago, not too long ago, but years ago, I, I was in Mexico and I showed the movie Whitney, which is the movie of Whitney Houston. And here's a young woman who, who grew up in the Christian church singing gospel music, who adored her, her mother and father, who adored singing about Jesus, and Whitney seemed to have an extraordinary voice. And then as she grew older, her mother actually had an extraordinary voice too, but she started singing and singing some pop songs and they became famous. And then she got married to Bobby Brown, who seemed to have a, a pretty serious drug issue. She got involved in the drugs and it went from a, a, a story of a young woman who had a tremendous gift and a tremendous love of Jesus and the ego turned it from a, a glorious, miraculous uh, state of mind uh, that was going through deep healing into what the world would call tragedy, an absolute tragedy, suicide, um, drug addiction, everything the world would say is, is a tragedy. And what we have to realize is that it's not, nothing in form brings that about. It's just when you have a resistance to the Holy Spirit and you deny that voice in your mind and you listen to that other voice, the ego, it will take you, it will take you down. Uh, I, it's interesting, um, Denzel Washington, the actor, he 
he had a an experience that changed his life. I think he was in a, a hair salon and uh, a woman in the hair salon said, oh, I have a prophecy for you, Denzel, young Denzel. You're going to be traveling the world and speaking to millions of people and, and become a very uh, public figure. And uh, I think Denzel had just failed something in school and he got this little paper prophecy at a, at a hairdressing salon and he opened his mind to get into acting and we know the rest. He was actually there at the Academy Awards when Will Smith uh, smacked Chris Rock, Rock and basically Denzel comforted uh, Will Smith by saying after, after the fact that he had done it, uh, Denzel said, just when you reach your highest point, that's when the devil will come for you. So there was some wisdom there. That's the comforting words that uh, Denzel told Will Smith after he had smacked Chris, Chris Rock. When you reached your highest point, in terms of world, world recognition of your first Oscar, fame, fortune, money, all the things that the ego wants to prop up the personality self with, as if you can have a great personality self instead of just an unreal one, <laughs> and, and your real self being the Christ, that's when the devil will flip from the, the fame to the downfall. You see, the Rome Roman Empire, build, 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 rip it down. Nazi Germany, build, 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 rip it down. You know, it, we've seen it over and over, and we've seen it with human beings. They seem to be very successful. They have everything that the world could offer, and then it all falls apart, and it turns into a tragedy. Marilyn Monroe, fame, sex appeal, movies, famous husbands, and suicide. You see? See how it goes? There is no, there is no truth to perception. As Jesus tells us, perception is unnecessary because it's a block to the light, and your true self is the light. So, like, like Judy Collins said, I've looked at life from both sides now, from win and lose, and still somehow it's life's illusions I recall. I really don't know life at all. You know, thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. We need to listen to that song. We need to remember that song every moment of every day. Don't be so sure you know what success is in this world. Don't be so sure you know what failure is in this world. Because Jesus is telling us, remember that all perception is unnecessary. It's temporary. Even the, the miracle is a, is a temporary expedient to remember God, but it's just a phase. Even your miracle working, some of you may feel, I haven't even begun my miracle working, but I would say just be glad when you start to experience it, but don't think it's anything important because all perception is unnecessary. You know, this is just the preliminary. People say, what's the difference between fact and fiction? Well, God is a fact. Love is a fact. Christ is a fact. 
And the world is the fiction. It is the fantasy. It is the, the, the make-believe. It is illusion. It is maya. You can't really have good maya and bad maya. You can't have good illusions, bad illusions. You may think that certain events in your life are good things, but I'll assure you there are no good or bad things, it's, but thinking makes it so. If you're thinking ego thoughts, you're perceiving bad things. <laughs> and you may even call them good things, but they aren't really good because God, the I am presence prior to time is where the goodness is. That's where the Christ is. That's where God is. That's where the Holy Spirit resides. But the things of time are, are not something that, that you can evaluate. And I'll come full circle as we go into the movie. The body is just a learning device. So you can call your body beautiful if you want. You can call it ugly. Uh, you can call your body smart or you can call your body dumb. You can call your body healthy, or you can call your body sick. None of those relate to truth. There is no such thing as a sick body, just like there is no such thing as a healthy body. Wow, that's going to take a lot of worry off my mind, because I, if I was trying to have a healthy body, I was still playing the ego's game, you see? How can something that isn't real be sick or healthy? You know, just put the words together. I have a sick unreality or I have a healthy unreality. Oh, let's try that with another word. I, I have a sick unreal or I have a healthy unreal. You see, the words don't even fit together. That's like, tell, again, it's like telling your pencil, wow, you, fit, you ruined my exam. I would have had 100 and then you, oh, evil pencil, got me a 65, <laughs> you evil thing. You know, we laugh at that. I see you laughing, Laura. You're having a good laugh at that. Let's just be you. the same thing with the body too now. Let's realize how, how ridiculous it is to project these meanings from the ego onto the body and then blame the body. <laughs> oh, my body should be more intelligent. Oh, my personality should be more outgoing. Oh, oh my partner should be better looking. Oh, my partner should have more money. Please, Jesus is like, are you are you ready to laugh? The angels are laughing. I hope you I hope you're ready to laugh with the angels, because the angels are like going, ay, oi, oi. So let's roll the film. We're gonna have, we're gonna follow Tammy Faye, and we're gonna follow Jim, and we're gonna follow through their adventures. And with everything I've just told you, I hope you can can see this movie as a comedy, because uh, I, I do, I see it as a comedy, but I, I really see all of them as comedies, but, but actually, you know, you can start to see the world in a, in a, a beautiful way when you realize that you can't really judge it. You can't really make a judgment on it, because the bodies aren't making the mistakes. It's the mind that believes in the ego is where the mistake occurs. It's like, like Jesus said, uh, before you try to get the speck out of your brother's eyes, 
Jesus said 2,000 years ago, remove the log or the beam from your own. He was teaching perception 2,000 years ago, before Freud, before the word ego, before the word perception, Jesus was the master psychologist teaching psychology 2,000 years ago before psychology was even invented. <laughs> and that's a good example of it right there. So that's what we're going to practice today with Jim, Jim and Tammy. So enjoy the movie. I will come in and pop in during the movie to, uh, to share some commentary and uh, hope you enjoy the ride. This is a, a beautiful ride, beautiful ride. Thank you. Okay, now that that gives you a little glimpse of, of Tammy Faye. Um, that is the church denomination called Assemblies of God. And it's quite common in Assemblies of God for people to speak in tongues. And it's a very devoted, charismatic, um, denomination of Christianity, so that she looked in the windows of her church, which her mom <laughs> was telling her she could never go in, <laughs> and she saw these people speaking in tongues, and she sees them rejoicing, and she sees the minister in his passion, and she just basically prays to Jesus. If, if it's real, meaning if salvation <laughs> is real, I want it. <laughs> and how beautiful, how beautiful for this child to open up and just say, Jesus, I want to, I want to know you. And, and yet, she's told at the dinner table, uh, there's, there's adult reasons why you can't go into that church. And then she already knows what those are, that there's, it's like a political thing, like you're not, you don't want to get you and me and the whole family and all your brothers and sisters expelled and, and prohibited from attending church. And her mother tells her, you know, and, and telling that would, they would all would have to go to hell if they couldn't uh, participate in this church. But her burning desire to know Jesus is too strong she goes in the door anyway, she goes up and she drinks the cup that the minister offers her and she looks at the cross and she goes into speaking in tongues immediately. And even though her mother tries to get her out of there as fast as possible, the other woman says, she's our miracle girl, like back off. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's not only accepted, she's our miracle girl in this church, and back off, mom. And so that gives you a good glimpse of her, her calling. She has a calling to Jesus and a calling to God from a very young age. And, and when she does meet Jim, which we're just seeing right now in the next scene uh, at a Bible college uh, up in Minnesota, um, she will already have this spark in her of wanting to share God's love and wanting to share the love of, of Jesus with, uh, with the people that she meets. And eventually they will form a ministry that is in that same denomination that she had when she was a child. It's called the Assemblies of God. Um, I've actually been 
a number of times to Assemblies of God uh, uh, meetings and, and uh, church services. And so it's kind of a fascinating aspect, the, uh, the speaking in tongues. Um, so I'm familiar with it. Uh, some of you may not be that familiar, but, but it's just a part of a very charismatic, devoted uh, group of people that want to know Jesus. Okay, here we go. She meets her future husband here, Jim, at the, the Bible College. <laughs> There's our beginnings. Uh, simply be inspired by God's love, want to extend God's love and share God's love. And, um, and pretty much this is the core of the calling. Uh, that God is a God of love, and that you are to extend the love. And also, you know, God, all things work together for those them who love God. And I think the Bible says, all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Now, it's interesting, you know, some people may say, well, that's all from the Bible. What does that actually have to do with the Course? Jesus actually quotes the King James Bible many, many, many times. And one of his quotes in A Course in Miracles is, all things work together for good. And in the Course, he, he adds, there are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment. So he's teaching the same thing, it's in the Bible, all things work together for those who love the Lord. There are no exceptions except in the ego's judgment. In other words, this is a fact, all things work together for good, and if you believe in the ego, you won't know it. You won't have it in your awareness. You'll judge things as good, bad, right, wrong, study ethics, morality, who's doing the right things, who's in the wrong, court of laws, who's guilty, who's innocent, you know, an entire projection of duality is, is just covering over the love of God, which bears no judgment, that everything is unified in the Holy Spirit's perception. As I've shared many times, the Holy Spirit answered the belief in separation instantaneously. So it must be that that corrected perception sees the world in a very different way than the human being. It must be that things do work together for good and there are no exceptions. So we can see that they both have playfulness, they both have inspiration, they both are lovers of scripture, but they work it into their everyday uh, conversations. Even with mom, <laughs> <laughs> with mom, with the puppet. You've heard of the Muppets before. Here's, here's our Muppet. This is the first Muppet, <laughs> Tammy Faye's Muppet, <laughs> is preceding Jim Henson's Muppets, <laughs> Kermit the Frog. No, here's little Susie, and Susie is going to be an instrument for Tammy Faye to extend the, the love and the teachings. And that's one thing you have to stay true to is, is extending the love of God, meaning, as they will say many times, God loves you and God loves all people. God is not segregating the ones who are to be loved and the ones that are not to be loved. 
as we'll find even within Christianity, where there's things about um, being gay or straight. And uh, we'll see some of the interpretations about uh, the, the preachers calling it uh, evil, actually. And, and basically, Tammy Faye and Jim are coming from an experience that they're to, to extend and spread the love of God. Now, that's a great start uh, for everyone. I think uh, Tammy Faye and, uh, and Jim didn't ever study A Course in Miracles, but um, they would have liked Lesson 154, I Am Among the Ministers of God. They're in that phase right now. They're happy to be among the ministers of God. And then uh, Jim goes, it looks like he went to a bank in Minnesota, Great Falls, and he got a loan and comes home with a Cadillac. They don't even have a house, but they're ready to cruise around with their puppets, with Susie the Muppet, and each other, and start just traveling and extending the love of God. And as she told her mother, maybe if, if I use the puppets, uh, maybe that will reach the children, and maybe before you know it, we'll have our own church. So this is definitely in their mind. A lot of times people do get spirituality sometimes confused with material abundance. Um, this is not a new thing. This isn't just a Christian thing that they believe in. Has anybody remember the movie or the book, The Secret? The Secret, use the power of your mind to manifest your, your dreams, so on. This is like material manifestation. And what's underneath it at times is, is that you have favor with the divine or that you have favor with God. Uh, basically, what Jesus is saying that basically, if you follow the Holy Spirit, you will have everything that you need to extend your special function to. That just means what your function seems to play out in, in terms of form. You will have everything you need. Uh, and the Holy Spirit will not take it from you for as long as you have need of it. But in the end, the Holy Spirit wants you to realize that it's the love inside that is the abundance. So we could say new age ideas or different ideas that try to put material abundance connected to favor with God, that's still a distortion. It's still a distortion. You know, God's love is transcendent of this world. So it wouldn't mean that those that are prosperous in terms of wealth in this world have more favor with God. And even the guy at the Bible college said, you know, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's in the Beatitudes. <laughs> Jesus starting out one of his Beatitudes with blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, Jim Baker doesn't, he's not quite so fond of that one. <laughs> but, but you can see that that's part of their mindset, too. And this is still going on. I mean, I, I think that's why the, the idea of manifesting and the law of attraction and the secret and everything, those are much more popular on the planet than A Course in Miracles. <laughs> in case you don't know the numbers, uh, uh, you know, I, if people want to, to attain material abundance and want to associate that with God. That is a belief. And, 
and there may not be as much resistance. They might find a pretty strong following <laughs> for the the old material abundance associated with uh, with favor with God. But but that doesn't really have anything to do with forgiveness. I would say it's a stepping stone, and I don't downplay law of attraction or uh, the secret or these kind of manifesting uh, philosophies because if if they're seen for the for the gem, the pearl that they offer, what they offer is the power of prayer, seeing the power of prayer and seeing the power of the mind. And those are very helpful steps in the awakening. If you're denying the power of prayer or denying the power of the mind, then that is going to be a hindrance in your spiritual awakening. So on one hand, you can see where Jesus goes with things. He offers things seemingly in perception are provided. He's not really working into the world, but you could just say he's, he's working with the mind that believes in the world. And so these ideas are something that can be used to recognize the strength of the mind and the power of prayer. But if there's any ego attachment and latching on to these ideas like manifestation, it just reinforces the belief in linear time. Uh, it, at its worst, it's just a mistake in the mind that we'll call greed. <laughs> greed run amok um, is, will block you from the light. Remember what Jesus said in the Bible 2000 years ago, easier for the camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Beautiful teaching from Jesus. To, uh, don't get lost here. Don't get lost in materiality, because as we just read from the course earlier, that um, that perception, all perception, is unnecessary. That's our bedrock. <laughs> you cannot go wrong if you keep that in mind. All perception is unnecessary. We're here for the vision of Christ. When you read those workbook lessons that say, I am determined to see, above all else, I am determined to see things differently, he's talking about light. He's talking about the vision of Christ. He's not talking about seeing with the body's eyes. He's not talking about perception at all. He's using those workbook lessons to say, come, keep coming to me, come to me, come to me, come to the light, come to the light. And he's telling us, be willing to let go of your investment in perception, not just judging perception good and bad. He doesn't want us to do that at all. He wants to see the impossibility of that, but just be willing to let go of perception entirely. And that's where uh, occasionally rare revelatory experiences can come, which give you a glimpse at beyond perception. That's what a revelatory experience is. But even that's just, just a glimpse. He's He's calling us to always keep in mind that that perception is ultimately unnecessary. Okay, they're all fired up. They're passionate. They're playful. They got their Muppet Susie. They've got a Cadillac. You see those big fins on that Cadillac? They're, they are cruising the United States with a Cadillac with big fins. And they have all this uh, inspiration and joy to go share the love of God. This is all good stuff. Uh, I think this is all within, I am among the ministers of God. Whenever you may think, what should I do for a job or to earn money? 
why not just flip your mind over to think, hey, God, here I am. I'm ready. I just want to share the joy and the love of God, and you're going to take care of the rest. And believe me, I see you there, Wesley, Angelica. That's right. They, these two are in for a ride. They're going to have an audience of 20 million people every week. <laughs> they're, not, they're not concerned at this point where the donations are come from. They've got enough gas to, to drive the car. They're taking their puppet on the road to the churches and to the children, you know, and that's all they've got. But you see the love. They want to extend the love. That's the main thing. And that will continue. You know, you have to have that burning calling in your heart to extend the love of God. Really, uh, Jesus is, is asked, you know, can God be reached directly? And his answer is yes. And then at one point, Jesus says that, that God is the only natural thing in this world. That's right, not natural spring water, not natural organic oranges, He's not talking about natural rain falling from the sky. He says that God is the only natural thing in this world. And when Jesus uses the word only, oh, he means only. God is the only natural thing in this world. So we need to remember that, that, that anything else that we have in our mind that we even believe is natural, or artificial. <laughs> Jesus is like, why do you keep saying news and fake news when it's all unnecessary? <laughs> why do you keep talking about the world, whether it's it happened or it didn't happen, when it's all unnecessary? Some of you know the movie Solaris with George Clooney. You ever remember Solaris? And it at the end of Solaris. Chris Kelvin, the psychologist, says to his, his wife, Rhea, he says, are, are we dead? Are we alive? And Rhea says, we don't have to think like that anymore. What? You mean the distinction between dead and alive is artificial? That's right. Eternal life doesn't make a distinction between dead and alive, because eternal life knows that there is only eternal life. There is no dead and alive. So now that should help ease your fear of death. You know, why would you try to judge something positively or negatively if you, if you could see that it was unnecessary? Why, if it was neutral to the Holy Spirit, why would you try to make it positive negative? That's just denying the Holy Spirit's uh, perception. When you do that. So you can start to see the, the divine reasoning that Jesus is giving us through the course. But right now in the movie, we're just we're just riding the wave of, of two people that have come together, they got married, and they are taking off in their Cadillac to share the love of God. That's beautiful. We can all tune into that vibe because that is the vibe that, that the Spirit wants for us. <laughs> repoed car it doesn't matter it's just symbols they don't need that car anymore because they have a ride over to pat robertson and 
that's the next step. I can't tell you how many times this has happened in my life. <laughs> I mean, I visited a friend one time in Boston, and I stayed with her a few days and met the whole Course in Miracles community up there. And then when I was leaving, I, I got maybe less than a mile from her house, and I was on a, one of these roundabouts, and my car broke. And I just called her up. I said, Vicki, I know I've just been with you for some days, but my car just broke, and I don't know. I'm in the middle of a roundabout. And she said, uh, oh, I'll come and get you. And you start to realize that this is how the miracle works. It's not that you need the things in form, you just need them for while you need them. They're all part of the mind shift. They're all part of the miracles. They're just temporary, you know? We have to start to remember perception is, is temporary, and it's only for us to shift our mind to the miracle, to align with God, to align with the Holy Spirit and Jesus, and that's it. Nothing of form has any meaning or value apart from helping you shift your mind, your, your perception of the world. So that's why we have to rely on the Holy Spirit for everything, because when we're relying on the past, when we're relying on people and persons, then it can seem very challenging. And when we put all the faith in the Holy Spirit, we just let the Spirit roll in those symbols, and you just roll with them. I've been rolling with these symbols for like the last 36 years. So I can tell you from experience, this is just how it goes. It's how it went for me. The symbols just come and they go. Whatever you seem to need temporarily, it's just there like a prop on a theater. A car is like a prop. A house is like a prop. I've stayed in thousands of different houses, probably maybe it's more accurate to say tens of thousands of different houses. And those were all little temporary backdrops for holy encounters with the people that I was meeting. I've been to churches and synagogues. I've been to ashrams. I've been into caves. I've been, I've been into temples and different types of, of towers and all kinds of things in all kinds of different sceneries, rivers, Iguazu Falls and Niagara Falls and all kinds of different things, mountains and valleys. And those are all just temporary symbols. And that's the value of the miracle. It just shows you that there's not really importance to place on the form. The form is just there as a backdrop for your holy encounter of sharing the, the, the love and joy of God. That's all it is. It, it doesn't have any meaning other than to be used to extend joy. While you still believe in words, then then the words can come through you. When you don't believe in words anymore, then there's no need for the words anymore. While you still believe you need to eat food, the food shows up. When you start to lose your appetite, then yeah, there's not the need for the food. Ultimately, because there's perceptions unnecessary. So this shouldn't be uh, extraordinary. You know, if perceptions unnecessary, of course, things are going to fall away. Sometimes when people start to say, oh, David, it's my whole world's falling apart. And it's like, well, it never really was there in the first place. So I don't think it can be that disappointing. Uh, it's more just an opportunity. Am I willing to let go of valuing something? Did I value something before? I was mistaken. Um, Jesus tells me in the introduction, nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. That's all I need. I can just take that introduction and just say, oh yeah, 
It's up to me to apply that practically with everything and everyone. That's where I'm going to transfer the, the training in my mind training is applying the core teaching to everything and everyone in, in perception. So here they go. They're starting to uh, build the ministry. Now they're going into uh, Pat Robertson's ministry. Do you know in all the 36 years, the only big tele-evangelist ministry that I ever visited, I was actually traveling around the East Coast of the United States and I was actually traveling around Virginia Beach, which is where Edgar Casey uh, did his teachings from. Uh, it is uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia. That's where ARE is, is, is based. But anyway, I got an invitation when I was in Virginia to go to Pat Robertson's 700 Club. <laughs> and I went and I got to see all the TVs. This is when I'm bebopping around on the East Coast of the United States. I got to see all the TVs. I got to be in the audience. And guess who invented the 700 Club? That's right. It's Tammy Faye and Jim. We're just seeing them enter in. And I got to see many years later this massive uh, broadcasting that was happening. And that's I think that's the only televangelist uh, thing that system that I've been involved with, not Billy Graham. Not, uh, you know, all of the many, many, many televangelists. There are many of them if you watch any cable TV. But but um, so I had to laugh. For me, Jesus is like, remember when I took you to the 700 Club, David? <laughs> and I said, wow, that is surreal. <laughs> that is surreal. Course in Miracles meets televangelism. Hallelujah. Praise God. All Praise to the Lord. Praise the Lord. So here we go. Let's let's see. Uh, we want to see Tammy Faye and and Jim invent the 700 Club. <laughs> so you can see uh, it. They're expanding. <laughs> they're bringing entertainment. Colonel Sanders uh, puppets, and they're using all kinds of symbols to let the love of God come through them. But I hope you caught what Jim had to say. He said, um, uh, religion is boring and dull, but, but Jesus is life. And, and he talked about how important it was to be saved. You know, and, and he's talking, he's equating salvation with God's love and with happiness. And that's a core teaching right there. You won't ever teach more than that. That while theology may be boring, and while practices and rituals may be boring, Jesus is life because the Christ is who you are, and who you are is life because God created you as life. So that's. That's the core message, the core teaching, regardless of the words that come from your mouth. It's your attitude of joy. It's the demonstration of the joy and the happiness that is the teaching. Because Jesus teaches us to teach is to demonstrate. Demonstration goes beyond words. Demonstration goes beyond even actions. It, it goes to a state of mind. It goes to the Beatitudes 
that Jesus talked about in the Bible, to be those attitudes of the living God, of the living Christ, that is what it means to teach. We have to let go of this idea that teaching involves words. And in their case, even though when they were growing up, maybe they weren't considering the thought of being preachers, but preaching is just a backdrop to learn to trust and, and experience joy and extend that joy and forgive all the rest. Preaching is not a, something that has any importance because as I've said before, the body is neutral. So, you know, frequently it's over-evaluated and sometimes it's under-evaluated too as being not worthy. But actually it's just a, a, a learning device for the mind and the mind needs to experience itself in its divinity. So preaching in this sense is there's nothing special about it. It's part of Tammy Faye and Jim's special function. And um, Jim enjoys speaking and he enjoys the scripture and Tammy enjoys the scripture and she likes to sing and she, she likes the puppets too. <laughs> she really likes the puppets. So you see how Jesus uses what, what you enjoy as part of your special function. You know, she, it's a natural for them. It's very natural to do what they're doing. And, and they also are very open when they got invited by Pat Robertson, his friend invited them to come there. Um, that's just showing them more of, of letting go of what they believe their life will be or how their life will look. Uh, it's, you do have to let go of expectations of what you think your life will be limited to in the form. Because again, as long as you're perceiving, that's still a limit. All perception is unnecessary. So you shouldn't like feel like uh, that somehow there's certain things in form that are more limiting than other things. It's just be willing to let the spirit use the symbols and bring the symbols to your awareness. That's the main thing. Don't think you have to control the symbols. The whole ego world is based on control, false control, false control around money, false control about around the imagined power, false control around sexuality, around survival of the body. These are not things that you should put your mind into. You should put your mind into where is the joy of my heart that wants to come through? You know, really go for that. Like Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. Beautiful, it couldn't be said any better than Joseph did. He just did us all a great service by saying, follow your bliss. Okay, I think Tammy, Faye and Jim are, are right in the middle of that now. They are, the doors are opening in their perception quickly because they're so open to let the symbols come to them. They're not putting limits on their perception in terms of how the perception is used to share God's love at this point. Now the temptations will come. Oh, the ego is sitting back in the mind. Just if it had a head, it would be shaking its head and it would just be saying to them, I'm going to get you good. I'm going to, oh, you go around and talk about God's love every day. The ego is a death wish. So it's sitting back in the shadows saying, oh, wait till I come up to the surface. <laughs> wait till I come out of the unconscious. I'm going to come at you more than the Loch Ness monster. 
I'm gonna come. I'm coming out, and then we'll see how your faith is, how strong your faith is in God. <laughs> okay, now we get to see that even if you want to extend the love of God, uh, you have to be aware of compromise. If if your goal is to love all the people, and your goal is to extend the love without exception. Uh, and you start to run into politics, uh, politics and extending the love of God, they don't go together. They don't mix. And uh, Reverend Jerry Falwell there is basically saying, uh, you know, he sees his agenda is to expose the sins of the country. How's that? <laughs> for a mission <laughs> to expose the sins of the country. But wait a minute, we, what were, we were just talking about sin uh, a little while ago. And remember I was saying the Son of God, Jesus says the Son of God cannot sin, and basically said, you know, you, you have not sinned, but, but you have been much mistaken. In mind, your perception has been distorted by the ego, by the dark filter. In the Bible, in Corinthians, it said you, we are looking through a darkened glass. That's the ego. In Corinthians, that's referring to the ego, the darkened glass. So the, the mistaken perception is what needs to be corrected. We don't need preachers out there trying to ex expose and eliminate the sins of a country, because guess what? Countries don't sin either. <laughs> and people don't sin. It's the mind that believes in the ego that is believing in an error of identity. It's forgotten that it's the Christ. It's forgotten about heaven. Now it believes in the ego, and it identifies with the ego's world. And you see how the ego then says, you need to go out there and, and, and expose those sinners. Jesus is telling us, that the Son of God is not a sinner. The Son of God may fall asleep and be mistaken and forget the Christ identity, but that's a mistake that the Holy Spirit has already corrected. And that means that the corrector of false perception is the Holy Spirit and is Jesus. It's not human beings. You see how arrogant that is to go around and try to point out sin and tell people that they're sinners, and then tell them that you have the correct theology and that they need to believe in what you're teaching them, and then they need to financially support you. If you think you know what business is in the terms of a corporation, now you're seeing the ego turn religion into big business because it's just another version of good cop, bad cop. Bad cop tells you how guilty you are. Good cop comes along and says, oh, but you can be saved. If you just believe in this theology, then you'll be saved. But you can see Tammy Faye, she's, her answer to, uh, to Jerry Falwell at the table, she introduced herself. She came right in, she pulled the chair, she brought her child, and she said, I, I don't see people that way. I just want to love the people. 
You see how simple that is. I want to I want to love the people. I want to extend the love. And she is not buying the politics, even though Pat Robertson is claiming that he started the 700 Club. And they're the ones who started it. They're the ones he calls our stars. They're our stars. He, he was trying to get the show back <laughs> from the stars because the stars are so popular sharing this loving vibe. But um, basically, uh, also, when they were walking in, um, both of Tammy Faye and, uh, and Jim were quite impressed with the mansion, quite impressed with the mansion. When I see that scene and they're walking in and when I see she looks across and she goes, that's a mink. It's, it's summer and that Pat's wife is wearing a mink and they're looking around and then Jim says, you and I, we, we paid for all of this. <laughs> we, our, our charisma <laughs> purchased all of this around us. It's not, the problem isn't the money. The problem is ambition. Oh my gosh, the problem is ambition. That's why we need to place our future in the hands of God. Because if we don't place our future in the hands of God, we're placing it in the hands of the ego. And the ego loves ambition. The Horatio Alger story, rise up from poverty through your own hard work and your own education and your own sweat and blood, you will rise up to be rich and famous. Aha. Some people call it the American dream. They call it by different names all over the world. Uh, preachers call it prosperity. Prosperity. There's people that even teach prosperity consciousness. Why would you want prosperity consciousness when you can forgive all of consciousness and wake up to the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> I, you know, that's still more duality prosperity consciousness and poverty consciousness. No, no, nada, nada, nada. That has no meaning whatsoever to the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't understand those terms. Jesus doesn't understand a God entering into time and space and giving favor to rich people or favor to people who are materially abundant. Doesn't understand it. Doesn't know anything about that. I remember one time, uh, um, I was watching the movie Gandhi, you know, you all know how much I love and admired Gandhi. And Gandhi, he decided to travel over to South Africa. And he, he started building an ashram in South Africa, I actually got to see that ashram when I was over in South Africa. But uh, as he's walking along, they're building an ashram in South Africa. And the reporter turned to Gandhi, and the reporter said, Mr. Gandhi, uh, you're, you're quite uh, an ambitious fellow. And then Gandhi turned to the reporter and said, I hope not. <laughs> and I was raised in America, capitalism, entrepreneurialism, owning businesses and everything, and I stopped the movie and went back and replayed that. What did he say? What did Gandhi say to that 
I thought it was a compliment. <laughs> I thought it was a compliment from the reporter. Mr. Gandhi, you're quite an ambitious fellow. Oh no, Gandhi was not fooled. Gandhi said, I hope not. So this is where the temptations really start to begin for Jim and Tammy. It's ego ambition. It's believing you personally are delivering the word of God to a, a world in need and temptations of fame, temptations of fortune, temptations of just plain old ambition and success are one of the main defenses that the ego has against reaching the holy instant, against coming into the revelatory state. So they look around at the mansion, they look around, and now they have all these men who are all the like leaders of uh, televangelism back in those days, and Jerry Falwell's there, and they basically are having their serious discussions, almost like a political roundtable of, um, of the pride that's growing of believing they're doing a special function for God, and that that special function involves necessarily material abundance. In other words, there's there's not any problem with materiality or how how much or little seems to be there. The real question is, what is it for? Am I using this purely for the purpose of extending the ideas of love and forgiveness? Or is there ego motivation? Is there an ego purpose underneath there? And that ego purpose will involve personal ambition, ambition for your family, ambition for your church, uh, and the same ambition uh, that businesses feel where they say time is money and you don't want to waste time because business is the ego's attempt to gain a profit in exchange for work. And if, when you're working for Jesus, uh, the word prophet doesn't come up. Jesus actually said in the Bible, you know, what profiteth a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? You see how different that is from the world of ego's world of profit for personal sake. Jesus is teaching us that the personality self is, is the idol, is part of the idolatry of believing you're something different than what God created you as, as the Christ, as pure spirit. So let's watch Tammy Faye and let's watch Jim because they're wanting to roll with the flow of the spirit, but they don't agree with the politics. Obviously they don't agree with the church's stand on homosexuality, but Jim is a little concerned that he, he thinks his wife's a little too aggressive, maybe that she will, will uh, limit uh, their, uh, their ministry by, by being so open and transparent. But transparency doesn't limit anything. Transparency is how you expand. <laughs> when, you're, when you're transparent, you don't hold back. You do have to be discerning, but actually, you know, you can see that that Jim and Tammy don't necessarily hold the values of, uh, of we'll say, the, the governing body of fundamental 
Christianity. They, they are realizing that they don't completely share the values of that system. And yet they seem to be a part of that system. And you and I have to face the same thing with, with the government or with a country we believe in or with a family we believe in. Whatever we believe is outside of our mind, we still will play the victim. But once we realize that there's nothing outside of our mind, <laughs> Christ is within and that's where we want to put our focus and that everything is mind and there is no reality to the projection of the world, then we can truly be honest and we can truly have integrity because we let the Holy Spirit put the words in our mouth. We let the Holy Spirit move the puppet called the body. This is our Muppet. <laughs> Our Moppet has to be under the, the control of the Holy Spirit and Jesus for us to be happy. Otherwise, we're not going to be happy because we're serving two masters. And, and no one can serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. Uh, you can't serve God and personal power or personal status and prestige. The two never mix. Okay, here we go. They're showing us a lot here. They're going to, they're walking through the fire for us to show us uh, what we don't want to be going after <laughs> in this world. So that's an interesting word, um, the secular press. Um, you know, when we start to divide the world up into those that are serving God and those that are secular press or um, you know, you see how the ego will try to make dividing lines in the world. It will even do it between the holy people and the unholy people. And thus we have this phrase called holier than thou. You see the comparison that's involved when you start to pick out which are the holy ones and which are the unholy ones, which are secular, which are the ones that are just working for the world and which are the ones that are working for God. Jesus is saying, remember, it's all the entire projection of the world and all of perception is coming from the mind, the mind. He's not saying it's coming from a personal mind. A personal mind is a part of the projection. And when you divide the world into pieces, then you've fallen for the ego's bait. It doesn't matter how you divide it. If you divide the world up, you are denying that it's one dream and that you're the dreamer of the dream. You see how important this is for forgiveness. As long as you keep pointing the finger at the good ones and the bad ones, and you try to say some are better than others, that's falling into the ego's judgments. And that's the one thing that obliterates the awareness of the light and the Christ is, is judgment. Of all the teachings Jesus gave in the Bible, his shortest teaching might be judge not. Uh, two words. That, that really encapsulates the entire teachings of Jesus Christ. Judge not, lest you be judged. Because if you judge, you judge your mind. And if you judge your mind, you, you forget the light, which has no judgment whatsoever in it. So this is, this is why Jesus said, before you get the speck out of your brother's eye, get the beam or the log out of your own, because he was saying, you need to forgive and release the ego belief system in your mind, because that's what's generating the world. 
And when you judge against people, places, situations, you judge against anything, you really are denying that you're the Christ in your own, own awareness. So it's a, it's a lesson. We can see with Tammy Faye's mother, you know, she, this is very different than her Christian life up there in, uh, in Minnesota. You know, everything seems to be broadcast. Everything seems to be bigger. Um, instead of like a, going to a chapel, it's, it's like a, a giant TV studio. And, and Tammy seems to be saying, you know, don't, don't put too much emphasis on, on the form, but actually that's, it's hard to not fall into that temptation if you have ambition. <laughs> if you have ambition for yourself as a person or for your family and your partner, then that ambition will taint, will cover over the direct contact with God. And that's the key to spiritual awakening is to start to realize that you're perfectly happy and peaceful right now without the ambition. <laughs> that's where that workbook lesson, I place the future in the hands of God is, is, a, is a safety valve for your mind <laughs> to stay connected with God. And Jesus says in lesson 135, he said, it's not always recognized as such, but planning is a defense against the truth. Uh, wow, that, that goes against a lot of our conditioning, which is always plan for the future, plan for a better life in the future. You know, it, the entire mechanism that drives linear time is that you have to find a way to make a better future than the past that you had. And the ego is not telling you that it made them both up to keep you from knowing who you are right now. Jesus says, the past is gone and the future is but imagined. It's imagination. It's a, it's a hypothetical imagination of something that's not really there, but as long as you believe it's there, you strive to make a better future than the past. But as I've said many times, there are psychics, uh, very famous psychics, uh, uh, ranging from Edgar Cayce, I'll go all the way to Nost Nostradamus. Nostradamus, he could see the future centuries before the events happened. How can someone see the future centuries before it happens unless maybe it's already happened? Maybe the future, they're just reading the past <laughs> that has not been yet revealed. You know, they're just reading what happened in the unholy instant, uh, in the time of terror that Jesus called. That's all they're using in their mind. They're, they're reading beyond the range that most human beings are able to read. But um, when I had students back in the 1990s, I would do a whole session for hours and hours on the past past and the future past. <laughs> That's right. The past past and the future past. Emphasizing that it's all the past. That's lesson number seven. That's workbook lesson number seven from A Course in Miracles. I see only the past. 
And the reason I see only the past is workbook lesson number eight. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. What does Jesus say? It's over. It's over and gone. That's the one holy true thought you can hold about the past is that it's gone, Jesus tells us. So you see, this is no small thing to place the future in the hands of God, because when you do, you're basically saying, now I'm giving you time to use Jesus. You use the symbols of time to bring a blessing to my mind, to everyone. You use the symbols of time. Let the Holy Spirit use the words. Let the Holy Spirit use all the symbols. Whatever I need, you will provide it to me, but I let you direct the use of the past. You use what the ego made to help free my mind, to help unwind my mind from the ego. And that's the secret to spiritual awakening, is, is that surrender. So here we go. Again, this is a, a, I think I would say this is a very good teaching movie, uh, because you can see 